0: You're listening to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Richard's style is very unique, where he shares the message of the gospel unlike anyone else. It's real, refreshing, focused, and fun. Whether you find yourself in a good place, maybe in a difficult place, or possibly even in a very lonely place, let me encourage you that you've come to the right place. Now, if you're not able to stick around with us for all of today's talk, you can always listen to, download, and even share this entire message with a friend right from our website, richardellistalks.com. So, with today's talk, here's Richard Ellis.
1: The title of today's message is Tire. Tire. Let me read you some definitions here. Hoop that covers a wheel, or as we know, that's where it started out, the little metal thing, but now we have rubber. Also can mean exhaust or tire through overuse or great strain or stress, get tired of something or somebody Cause to be bored or just to deplete. While in Liberia, driving through Monrovia, Liberia, there was a place where we turned off Dupert Road which was kind of a maze of, I don't even know, it wasn't even a street. It was just like little paths through people's yards. But when we turned off, almost immediately I saw this tree the roots were exposed at the base, it was about a foot and a half thick, and about three feet up it split into two separate trunks, went up about 30 feet. And at the base of this tree was a tire. Now we drove by it a few times and finally I said, whoa, whoa, we got to stop, I got to get a picture of this. But at the base of this tree I kept looking and finally got out and I think and looked around it and the tire was intact, but it was snugly fit around the base of this tree. And I kept looking, at it. I think everybody else thought I'd lost my mind, so enamored with this tree and this tire around it. But what struck me is that tire had to be in place early because there was no way you could get that tire over that tree where it was. That tire was there when that tree started, and nobody ever moved the tire. And so the tree grew up inside of that tire, and the only way to get it off was to cut it off, and the only way to get it on was for it to be there early on. I'd like to start today in Deuteronomy 6 and try to talk to you about Tyre. And this could end up anywhere, so don't get your mind or hope set on something in particular. Deuteronomy 6, let's start in verse 1. Now this is the commandment and these are the statutes, the judgments, which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you. Okay, these people were commanded to teach something through their generations, "...that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command you, you and your son and your grandson, all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. Therefore hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey." Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Now, let me tell you where I'm going to start and hopefully where we're going to end up. It's this word love. If you do not understand the element of love from God, for God, for yourself, for other people, this whole God thing, this whole church thing, this whole religious thing is not going to make a bit of sense. And before long, you will tire of this and you will be gone. You cannot keep doing church, you cannot keep doing God out of just pure compulsion, and the people that manage to do that end up some of the angriest, most bitter, hardcore, judgmental, mean people you have ever met in your life. Anybody ever met one of those? Just doing the deal because it's the right thing to do and there is no love from God it seems for God, for themselves, much less anybody else, and they're just grinding through the process because they're supposed to. If you don't factor love into the thing and let God love you and you love him and that thing circulate the way it's supposed to, you're not gonna make church. You're not gonna do this thing. It has to be out of some love. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words I command you today shall be in your heart. This is not about getting information in your head. And there are too many people, Dallas, Texas in particular, is filled with literally thousands of churches where there is information being dispensed. And my fear is in this country and this city specifically that we are dispensing information without any passion to go with it. There is no carbonation to it. It's syrup. It's just facts, facts, facts. And this is about love and something being in your heart. And then look at verse 7. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Put it everywhere. You cannot come back with a tire and try to stick it on a tree that's already grown up. And this is going to be very frustrating and discouraging for some of you because some of you are going to say, well, fine, you're telling me this now. I didn't know this early on. So this particular point is for those of you with small children, and I'm encouraging you, especially as dads, and if you go back here in this same passage that I'm reading here, look who he addresses. He says in verse 2, I command you, you and your son and your grandson, in particular he addresses men here and boys and the grandsons, the sons of those boys. If you do not get this right as a man and then you become a father and you don't have it right and you don't dispense it properly, I'm not saying it'll all go well every time. There are screwed up kids in the world that have great parents, I understand that. But you've got a better shot at putting something in place if you put it in place early that will be there for later. And you are not just living your life for yourself and i'm going to try to be as honest as i can today there are times as a man just period as a breathing human being when you just get tired you just get exhausted the responsibility keeps coming and as a man especially and i'm not saying we got single moms around here that i have no idea how they make it have no idea but there are times you just go you know what i can't do this anymore I need some release, I need some relief. Why do you think men, just grown men, walk out the door of their houses, go buy them a red convertible and take off for California or wherever they think's gonna fix it? They can't do it anymore. And sometimes it is because nothing was put in place early on in their life, the character traits, the things that hold your life together. And you say, well, I don't have those things, so I don't know how to give those to my kids. Then get around some people, some men, men especially need to be around men, who can instill these things, impart these things, and encourage you to do the right thing. I talked to a guy this week, he is a mess. He's been a mess almost since the day I met him. And I keep saying to him, you've got to get around people who can teach you. You've got to stay around men who can pour stuff into your life or nothing is going to change. The probability is almost zero because you keep getting sucked back into your same old lifestyle. Now, my point here is this. They were instructed to be instructors. You say, well, I'm a Christian, my kids are growing up in a Christian home. That's not what we're talking about. There is passing on of information, of knowledge, of wisdom that goes on in a house. And this is some people's perspective and they believe there is no God and they will mock your Christianity and this is what's real, this is what's not real, this is where faith kicks in and you talk about it. You say, well, they'll figure it out and here's my favorite one. Well, you're just trying to brainwash your kids. Let me tell you something, you are exactly right. I am absolutely trying to brain and heartwash my children. You say, well, that's not right. You know what? The world's going to do it if I don't. You think the world's not brainwashing your kids? You're an idiot. Oh, I'm just going to let them decide for themselves. That is not possible. You have to have an option to make a decision. The only option they have in this world is to just screw their whole life up. Because the world says, let's party, let's do whatever, let's get wasted, let's do some drugs, let's have a good time. And there's no barometers anymore, there's no lines, there's no guides, there's no nothing, it's just eat, drink, be merry, tomorrow we die, let's go, baby, bring it. And where are the parents, where are the fathers, where are we? You say, dude, I'm having a hard time doing the right thing myself, you want me to help my kids? I don't have enough for that, then get you some. Stick with it, don't tire so easily. And if you're tired of doing it, get around some people that can encourage you and say, dude, come on, let's go. Don't quit. There's lives depending on you. Go to Proverbs chapter one. Jump in at verse eight with me. Sometimes I just read the Bible and I forget why it's even there. I'm just like, oh, this is interesting and let's try to get something out of this. Why are these verses in here? Proverbs chapter one, verse eight. My son, hear the instruction of your father. And so what he's saying here in this passage is, listen to what your father's saying. Why? Why? Because your father is actually saying something. You know, I always love it when parents are stunned when some kid lets off an F-bomb or something in the grocery store or GD or just comes out with the S-word or whatever word it is, the parents go, You know where they heard that? In their house, probably. They're repeating what their dad says when he gets all upset, or mom says. Act like you're shocked they're saying those words. They get it somewhere. Most kids are just repeating what they hear at home from God. You know who God is up to a certain age? You, Dad. You provide, you protect, you're supposedly all it. And so they repeat, they wanna be like you, they wanna do what you do. My son, hear the instruction of your father, do not forsake the law of your mother, for they will be a graceful ornament on your head and chains around your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, don't consent. This is a dad talking to his son saying, look, this is what's going to happen. Hey, dude, come on, let's go do this. It's going to be great. We're going to steal some tires. We're going to blow up something. We're going to go do something stupid and get in trouble. But come on, go with us. And he says, don't go with them. Verse 15, my son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your foot from their path. For their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed blood. Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird, but they lie in wait for their own blood. They lurk secretly for their own lives. So are the ways of everyone who is greedy for gain. It takes away the life of its owners. Instruction. Now I'm going to tell you something from a very personal perspective. I will not stand up here and tell you I've got this all figured out. If I don't die, I got a lot of miles to my finish line. And there are days I get tired, and there are days I get tired of doing the right thing. And you say, well, that's not possible. You know why I know that's possible? Because it's the same thing for you. And I just feel better about talking about real things, and then let's move together, than having some great abyss and me acting like I got this all figured out, and you're the bunch of losers who don't know what you're doing. This is real, and this is hard, and it is real hard sometimes. Now, is it worth it? Absolutely, absolutely. But I need reminders from time to time, lest I tire and give up. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I'm gonna go through these kind of fast for the sake of time. First Corinthians 15, let me just read with verse 58, and he's done this amazing long chapter about the resurrection of the dead and the power there is in that and the gospel and that sin has no power, that death has no powers. And then he says this, verse 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. It is worth it. It matters. You say, it's not making a bit of difference. I'm trying to love these kids. I'm trying to pour stuff into their lives. I don't know that it's going to make a difference. One person, one kid could come along and just take them away. Someone sidetrack them. One of the scariest things in the world today now is sending your kids off to college. You can send your kids off to college and they'd be God-believing, fearing whatever kids and come back in a matter of no time atheists because they just get picked completely apart. And I heard this years ago, this is in the sermon today, but let me make a suggestion. Don't tell your children, it's not about being asked and having an answer for what you believe, it's why you believe it. If I say to you, well, what do you believe? Well, I believe in this. Why do you believe that? Have an answer for that. That's not as easy to tear apart. The answer, because my mom said so, is not what we're looking for. If you don't believe something because you believe it, you don't believe it. You think it, and until someone changes your mind, that's your brain, if you believe something internally in your heart, that's hard to sidestep, and you're going to get hit with questions. The younger you are and the longer you live, you're going to get clobbered with questions. Questions are great, and I'm okay with people searching and going and trying to figure this stuff out, but get you a slab, put the tire in place early, and let the tree grow up through it, or it'll never work. If a kid doesn't become a Christian by the time they're 18, the statistical probability drops just crazy off. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, a few pages to the right. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 1, therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. And the word here for lose heart, I'll use this word a couple times, it means to be utterly spiritless, to be wearied out, exhausted. He says, we have this ministry, we receive mercy, we do not lose heart, we're not spirited out, we're not exhausted, but we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Go down to verse 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always caring about in the body, the dying of our Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. Verse 16, therefore... We do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. All of this stuff... Watches, your cars, your houses, that is temporary. It's not the stuff. And you know what? People who don't have all that stuff figure it out quicker. The less you got to hold on to, the easier it is to let go of what you don't have anyway. You got nothing you didn't receive, and you got nothing you're taking with you, but the tire around the foot of your tree, the stuff that has to be in place that matters. All right, go to Galatians 6. Galatians chapter 6, and I'll just jump down in here to verse 6. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. That is a law. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good. Why? For in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. That's a simple agricultural principle. Anybody who knows anything about farming is you say, well, I'm planting corn. You put corn in the ground. You plant corn and you water it, you fertilize it, do your thing. But you don't wait a couple of days and go... We got robbed, go back to the store. Our corn didn't work. You sold me faulty seed. You go, what are you talking about? You bought it two days ago. Well, I got no corn. Where's my corn? Probably on your toe. Dude, you don't get corns in two days. <laughs> so you laugh and we laugh you go, well, that's absurd. No one would expect corn in two days. Then why do we give up so fast? He said, don't grow weary. In due season, you'll reap. Reaping takes time. Only weeds grow overnight, and you don't even have to plant that junk. Don't get tired of doing the right thing. Keep putting seed in the ground. You know what? How many of you been alive long enough to see some crops come in that were good? Anybody? We give up too fast. We want something now, and farming takes time. Do not tire of doing the right thing. All right, I'll jump down to Revelation 2, and we'll be done. End up where we started. Revelation 2, and this is something that happens even after today. Book of Revelation. Something that John saw then, but it hasn't even happened yet. Except that it has happened because he saw it. I can't explain it, but anyhow. Revelation 2, verse 1. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things say he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. Know any apostles lately? And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Now, how could God possibly be disappointed with anybody who's got that description on them? And then verse 4. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. It comes back to love. Doing the right thing, you hate evil, you're doing all, check, 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 check. Everything's great. You just left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place Unless you repent, in verse seven, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. There is something about separation that I'm not encouraging, long, prolonged separation, but there's something about separation that stirs some things in you. I think sometimes couples tire of each other. They get bored with each other. They get exhausted by life. And they leave their first love someplace. A first love. So you say, well, I'm tired. I can't keep going with God anymore. You know what? Something got you into this. And I suggest you go find out what it was. And just keep going back till something stirs like it used to stir and go, wow, this is what it was. It's that my life basically sucked until Jesus came along. And then I had the forgiveness of my sins, the promise of eternal life, joy, peace, love, all these things that I had not before. And now I remember why I made this decision. I believe I'll stay with you, Jesus. And some couples, I think, listen today say, you know what, it's getting hard and I don't even remember anymore. You know what, maybe I ought to sit down and talk about it then and remember and go back a few miles. He didn't say here, you lost your first love. You lose something, you don't know where it is you left your first love you just got to go back where you left it and pick up where you left off where the rubber meets the road
0: and keep moving before richard comes back to wrap things up for us today i'd like to share a couple important things with you let me encourage you to take a minute and check out our website richardellistalks.com you'll find today's talk right there in the talks page along with all of richard's messages you can even forward them to a friend so they can hear them too You'll also find the prayer wall to add your prayer requests, a link to connect with us, the contribute page for you to be able to give to this ministry, a radio station finder, all our social media links, and much more. So check it out, richardellistalks.com. And Richard's back now to wrap up today's talk.
1: All right, and our Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for that tire that got put around the trunk of my tree early on. The family that you place me in and I thank you for the fruit on that tree, Lord, that has come as a result of the great love I've received from you and have for you and for myself and others and your great mercy and your great grace extended my way, our way, Lord. And especially today, Lord, for people who hear of this great love and just begin to wonder, it's probably not for me, I'm not good enough. I'll never deserve that. I've screwed up too much. If these people knew where I've been, what I've done, what I'm capable of, what I think, what I say, where I go, they'd never have me. Father, help them see that that's why you sent your son Jesus, for people just like us, just like them, and that this mercy is extraordinary, that this grace is gigantic, and that your love is amazing, and it can reach them, especially when they have no explanation for the tug on their heart, the drawing to yourself that they've never experienced any other place, any other way, but from you in this moment. May somebody today say, okay, God, if it's really you and I know I can't fix me, I'll admit to you, I am a sinner by your terms. I have screwed up my life. I cannot fix this stuff. My past is behind me and it's eaten my lunch. And it seems I'm a prisoner to my past by repeating it in my future. I need some help, I'm a sinner, I need your forgiveness. I see and understand now that Jesus died on that cross, was buried and raised from the dead to provide me not just eternal life, which is amazing, eternal life with you, but that you're offering a package deal, eternal life and the forgiveness of my sins, and you'll throw in some grace and some peace and some joy and some love and some patience and all this stuff that I clearly do not have. I accept as a complete gift I have nothing to offer in return except my gratitude, so I take it and say thank you. Come live in me and through me and change me and help me live the life you intended for me all along that I've been trying to live without you all along. And Father, for those of us who know you and have maybe just tired of the process, and no matter what we have in place or what we've had in the past, Lord, we are on the verge of giving up. I pray today that some would be encouraged. Someone be challenged, Lord, to trust you again. Go back to where that first love left off and pick it up from there and move forward. Father, you're the best. You're amazing. Lord Jesus, thank you for living and dying on our behalf and praying right there by the Father on our behalf and Holy Spirit for your presence in us and these who have accepted this amazing gift of eternal life. Fill them from the inside out with your Holy Spirit, your presence. And we thank you and praise you and pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening
0: today to Richard Ellis Talks. We're confident that the program blessed you, and we want to hear about it. One way is to give us a call and let us know. The number is 855-6-RICHARD. Another way is to drop us an email. Jump on over to our website, richardellistalks.com, and click on the Connect tab at the top. We'd love to hear from you. And while you're there at the website, there's a ton of great stuff there just for you. Things like all of the talks from Richard, a prayer wall where you can leave your prayer request, and a whole lot more. Check it out, richardellistalks.com. Finally, we love doing this program for you, but we're so grateful when you hop on board to help us with the cost. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD, or you can contribute through the website. It's easy and much appreciated. 855-6-RICHARD, or richardellistalks.com. Until next time, God bless you, and thanks for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.